0: Hi, this is Doug Jones, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night.
1: I know! Sci-Fi
2: Saturday night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get
0: me so easily!
1: It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule.
0: It's your sacred duty to tell us
1: the truth. Confess confess that you will give you a witchcraft. You think me to believe that you can overrun the entire world?
2: We cannot be defeated. We have never been
1: defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up.
0: By Saturday night.
2: Welcome to yet another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee that if you listen, you get to hear stuff. This week it's episode 489. We are 11 episodes away from that dreaded 500, and it's another pandemic countdown here in Area 51. Uh, we're in a semi-quarantine mode, which is fun for everybody. Uh, Cameron, you can take off the quarantine suit. We're no longer in, uh, mask mode. So that stupid beehive hat, you can take off now.
0: I was just getting used to it. And it looks so good on me. Well, no, no, no. That's been a joke
2: for the past year. No, no, that's been the joke for the past year. You can take it off
0: now. Okay, fine. Be
2: that way. Um, as we're getting near to episode 500, uh, Um, you know, you've been saying, you know, you, the big present for me, the big surprise party. That's no longer a surprise. Uh, so,
0: what are you buying me? What am I buying you? Well, well yeah. Let's see. It's it, it, me. it all it all depends. You know what what you see? Uh, do I get to use the Area 51 credit uh, credit card, or do I have to use my own money?
2: The Area 51 credit card has been missing for three months now, so I'm assume you've taken it.
0: I have no clue what you're talking no, no, about. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no clue. <laughs> no clue what you're talking about, you know. And, but i have seen charges for into...
2: miniature ponies. I'd like to know yes. what that's all about.
0: Well, you know, I wanted to do for you, for for you, you know, you have your own live action My Little Pony movie. Oh, Lord.
2: We're not going to do the My Little Pony movie again. We are thing,
0: not, are we? but no, that was going to be not. my gift.
2: No, we are not.
0: <sighs> it's probably a good I, thing because the whole yeah, the whole uh, Pegasus thing hasn't been working out. In fact, that's why there's been multiple charges, and I'm just not going to get into that to, 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 to too deep into that. But you know,
2: we are not, up,
0: We are not to make, going to
2: tie dye miniature ponies again. <laughs> we tried that once; it didn't work.
0: Well, it's not so much the tie-dyeing. I've been genetically manipulating them to grow wings. But it's just not working. CRISPR the, the technology does not work with miniature parties. No, no. Bad idea. Okay. Bad fine. idea. Be that way. Be that
2: way. Uh, so we have this author uh, who we really, really like, and we've had him on four times. This will be his fifth time making him a member of the Five Timers Club, Richard Polinelli. Richard, welcome back to Sci-Fi Saturday
1: Night. Dome, thank you for having me back on. And I have one question about the tie-dye ponies. Is it is it as bad as the flying turkeys in Cincinnati were?
2: It was very, yes, it was a horrible <laughs> idea. Uh, the only thing I can yes, remember yes, is yes, the screaming, I thought they could fly. Yep, yep. <laughs> And thank you for being the only person behind, besides me who remembers that episode.
1: Oh, yeah. That was a classic. I remember that episode. Yeah. It was a horrible, What do you think horrible... I the idea for, you know, putting the wings on them? Yeah, but I think Dome and I were the only two who watched it live in this conversation.
2: Probably, yes.
1: Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably,
0: <laughs> so, yes.
2: <laughs> we just got a copy of uh, your latest book. And your latest book is set in a universe that none of us quite understood. Okay. And it's set in a book. Your latest book is called Galen's Way. Mm -hmm. And it's set in a universe called A Starquest Fourth Age Adventure. Yes. Now, let's talk about that before we do anything else. Because one of the things that I want to know is, is this. First of all, this is a hard science fiction novel, number one. This is this is space opera at its best. This is, and I'm going to unequivocally state for anybody who gives a damn about it, and frankly, I do. This is one of the best new hard science fiction novels I have read in a very 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 long time it was fun from page one to page 320 and i did not stop okay quite honestly i did not stop from the page one to page 320 i did not put it down Uh, i annoyed my wife i annoyed everybody who wanted to talk to me on the phone who kept emailing me and buzzing me. And I just said, you're going to have to wait. I read it in literally one sitting from start to finish. And it was wonderful. So let's start with Richard. Man, thanks. This was so
1: cool. You know, that is is what every author wants to hear, what you just said, every word for word. Um, You know, that's when when I sat down to write this, that's what I wanted to create was something that people could to sit down and lose themselves in and just have fun reading, because I one thing I'm noticing in science fiction a lot lately is that a lot of what's coming out isn't fun to read. You know, you, you don't really get that sense of adventure and joy at the end of the book that I got when I was reading sci-fi as a kid. And that's I, what I wanted to do.
2: I can remember there, there were times that there were authors that were really, that I enjoyed, but were very difficult. And I would mm-hmm. have to put it aside and then come back and put it aside and then come back. But there were, there were always this group of authors where I could just get glued and get, get tuned into it. And just man, sun could come up, sun could go down, and I was there from beginning yeah. to end. And this was just one of those easy books where you liked it, and you just it it it, it was the Sally Fields at the Academy Awards book of <laughs> you really liked
1: it. I and, I yeah, that's what that's what I that's what I was. Aiming for. I want people when they get done reading it to go, that was great. I want to read more because there's more coming in in this universe. But at the same time, I I want when when a reader gets done with any of my books, I want them to be happy that they invested that amount of time in what they in in my story. So yeah, I I mean, what you're saying, this is exactly what I want to hear from people who read the book.
2: Well, the funny thing was Cam and I as we were talking about it, he went. It's the kind of book... Cam, what, what, what was it you were saying? Oh,
0: God. You're going to try to make me remember what I said. Okay.
2: Because I remember it well, almost word for word. Ago, it's you, like the kind of movie... Okay. It's like
0: Getting where you started sit Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like when you watch a movie and you sit down and you watch the movie and you haven't, you haven't looked at your watch once and by the end of the movie... You know, you look at your watch and realize, oh, my Lord, two and a half hours went by and I didn't even notice it. I was so thrilled. So and this book was like that. There were moments I didn't read it all at one sitting. But when I had to put that book down, I was back to that as quickly as I could. Whether whether it was, you know, I read it over my lunch break at work. And then, you know, at the end of the day, as soon as I get home, I'm reading it again. Or, you know, just spending, you know, the rest of spending a whole day during the weekend just reading it just so I could finish it. And just you know, and and just absorb every bit of it. Yeah. And it was just it was a joy to be a part of. There it was fun and exciting. Yeah, it was just it's again like Dome, it's it's everything that I've always enjoyed about really good science fiction because well it can have, you know, it's it there it's that adventure, that sense of uh you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Adve- adventure, romance, intrigue. Um, you know plans within plans within plans you you don't know where the next knife is going to come from you know it's you just it's it's almost like star wars of 1976 when you went into that and you you just lost yourself in this amazing new world that was that was created and you couldn't wait for the next movie to come out that that's you know, that's what I was shooting for when I sat down and wrote this, is I want this to be this great adventure, as, which is part of this great epic that StarQuest will be. And we'll, I, I'm sure we're going to touch on that a little bit later. Um, you know, my little corner of the sandbox, is, it seems huge, but it is a small little corner of a very large sandbox that's, that's StarQuest that, that people are going to be introduced to over the next couple of years. So let's
2: let's talk for a little bit about your little corner of the star uh, of, of, of the Starbucks.
0: I don't there want to go. call it a sandbox.
2: <laughs> uh, Galen's Way is a space opera that essentially is about four people. Everybody else can go screw. OK. Because <laughs> I don't I don't really give a rat's behind a about everybody else in this story I care about four humanoids and only three of them are actually humanoids or okay. hominoids okay you have the princess and then you have the the scoundrel and then you have the professor and Marianne
0: and that's it <laughs> okay I would have called I would have called Cassandra ginger person I would have too I think that. no she's <laughs> more Cassandra's Marianne Marvin, oh, she's a ginger well, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're going to have this argument though. We we
2: could we could we can and that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> y, y, you start off with Galen who's the scoundrel, who who is actually the prince in disguise. Mm-hmm. Who's who's the charming scoundrel. Uh and and he's this wonderful preserved character who's 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 many things within the context of the book. And he's he's this well-constructed character, who's a hundred different things all in one, who, who during the course of the novel, you peel back the layers of this character because from the beginning, you know you're not gonna see everything in the first 30 seconds or the first 30 pages or the first 100 pages or the first 200 pages. And it's wonderful because, as a writer, you you made a choice early on to take your main character Galen's win and decide, I'm not going to show you. I am I am not going to flash the entire hand of who Galen win is. Mm-hmm. And you don't until the last ten pages. And I'm not even sure you do then.
1: There's still some more to reveal of Galen by the yeah. By, you know, I, for the next book. There's a little bit more to come.
2: Well, I'm not even sure that there is a next book that he's in because you didn't (laughs) give that away. Uh, You do, do at the end of the book, say that there's another book in this series. Yeah. But I'm not even sure that he's in it, to be honest
1: with you.
0: You know, you never know with me,
1: and I'm not going to say (laughs) – yeah, you know, you, you of all people should know. Yeah, you know, I'm Mr. McGuffin. I am I'm, I'm flashing the shiny thing in my left hand over here so that you're not paying the least bit of attention what I'm doing over here with my right hand. I have you know? noticed that.
2: Yes, you yeah. are very good at that.
1: So and then yeah, again, but-
2: in the other hand, you have Princess Rhiannon, mm-hmm. the 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 snooty princess, mm-hmm. who of course is anything but that
1: but everybody has to start someplace. <laughs> yeah, she she has a you know I really tried with the main characters to have a a very strong character arc for them within this book, even knowing that some of them are going to carry on through the series and I don't want to give everything away, but at the same time I want that level of growth to to kind of play out. Because these events are going to change these people, and we're going to kind of be along with the ride, and we're going to see how they change, how they grow, how they react to what's going on. And she has a lot to process pretty early on.
2: I would say that's a very heavy thing she has to process fairly early
1: on. Yeah. You know, again, not trying to do spoilers. I mean, she's her whole world gets torn down. And then she has to go through the rubble and rebuild a life. And it's, you know, her her story through this is her coming to terms with what's going on, what it means for her, and what she's going to do going forward. And I think, you know, we, we see her grow from kind of a spoiled brat in a way to a very strong woman who you don't want to mess with. Her whole world gets napalm, never mind yeah. torn down. My God. <laughs> Yeah, that is yeah that is kind of a you know without without giving it away I mean she that's something that no one would want to have to face what she come what she's presented with um when she meets Galen um yeah you know I I, I how, do, how do you how do you process that and that was kind of the thing that I went into this with hey, if this happened to you know a person how would that person deal with it you know there's there's several different ways and and she picks this particular path in this story, but i'm you know there's there's a million different ways you could go once you're presented with what she's hit with well, not only how do you deal with it, but how do you come out
2: of
0: it
1: yeah
2: and
0: it's I, oh
2: sorry. no no go on I was
0: going to say and and not not that I want to argue with the author, but well, I'm going to <laughs> uh, is that i almost i almost didn't think that, that you know. Because you, you said she starts out, or one of you two said she starts out as a spoiled brat, but I'm not even sure that I would say that about her. We really, at the very beginning, know very little about her when she finally, you know, pops out of the carbonite, uh, so to speak. <laughs> okay. And, and you know, if when you come out of the carbonite, you're going to be a little sleepy. You're going to you're going to be a little rough around the edges. So it's it's hard to really know it. What was she a spoiled brat before she, you know, got stuffed in the carbonite? You know, and and before she gets to uh, get unwrapped but uh, literally and figuratively by uh, by Galen you know what was she really like and and you know maybe that's something you know i mean obviously if you you say she was a spoiled brat then that's what but i didn't get that impression i got this as just a character who's all of a sudden been you know thrown in the deep end you know is is, is a princess but yeah. you know it's it's hard to know what her past was she really does come into this you know, just, you know, you 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 I, for me, she was the one that actually really resonated with me because she's like all of a sudden she's come out of this situation. And Galen's, you know, kind of pulled her out of this situation. And it's like she's trying to process and then you watch as she comes up to speed and like like Jones and you said at the very end that she's rolling. I mean, she is basically running things. She has mm-hmm. gone from somebody that's being caught up in a wave to basically out swimming that wave towards the beach so she can warn the people it's on its way. You know, right. and massing and asking an army, this is what she becomes. And I just I love this character, how she's she just there is something. Well, we, we've made a few homages to uh, Star Wars anyway. But the, the, the best parts of Princess Leia are what I see in here is, you know, that the, the later on as, the, as her, her character and her story continues in some of the books that have been written and, so, and some of the move, the, the better movies, is that the character grows into a strong leader. And this is exactly what I see in Princess Rhiannon, is this yeah. amazingly strong leader that she just develops into. By the end of the book, you know she is going to you know, she's going to change this universe.
1: Yeah. And a, and a lot of the growth that she goes through is because of her interactions with Galen. Um, yep. and, and a lot of the growth he goes through is because of the interactions with her. They they actually make each other a better person as this thing, as the story plays out. And that was that was intended. I didn't want the damsel in distress, you know, type of thing where she's always getting into trouble and he's always right, having right, to go right, rescue her. Right, right. No, think.
2: that, that would have been too easy. That yeah. would have been... That's a cheat way out of this.
1: Yeah, and I did not want that to be. So, I mean, I was careful to to get her from your typical princess. I, you know, I, I'm i weighted on hand and foot type thing. Maybe not so much spoiled brat, but your basic princess, everything's taken care of for her. She doesn't have to worry about anything to all of a sudden now she's on the run for her life with a man she's just met. And, and her whole world has been, as, as Dome said, napalm. So, you know, she's, she has to really go through a, a, a lot of growth in a short amount of time. And I think we see that as, as it plays out. And it, it will continue playing out. I mean, she's got, there's a lot more to her story to come. Now, let's talk about Cassandra for a second.
0: Uh-huh. Because
2: this is fun for me and I'll tell you why and you're not going to believe this in a million years okay for two reasons number 1 uh I am a huge fan of AIs ever since the moon is a harsh mistress which to me was one of my most favorite books in the entire world growing up because you know uh the 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 fact of uh, of man and machine coming together and and just loving have, having that kind of a relationship where they learn to interact with each other and just enjoy each other and and learn from each other is one thing but just having that relationship together as an actual artificial intelligence is so cool and I knew people who worked on the uh, on the uh, on, on on the project with at, at IBM so I you know when it was started to become a, a reality that was even cooler. So I started to give Cassandra a voice in my head and you will laugh when you think of what the voice was. Okay. Because the voice I gave her was from the Animaniacs. Interesting. You, are you familiar with the cartoon?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My kids watched it all the time. Aunt Slappy. Oh, God, that would be perfect. Yeah. That would be, yeah. I, w- I hadn't <laughs> thought of that before, but yeah.
2: <laughs> and every time I came across... Her words, all I could hear was it being said by Aunt Slappy. Slappy. (laughs) And and I don't know why. (laughs)
1: it will be interesting to see if I hear that voice the next time I start writing Cassandra.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it was just that kind of slick, attitudinal. Yeah. uh, You know, you come across as a young Wilma Flintstone to me. You know, that kind of an attitude.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That was what I was shooting for when I when I created. Her. You know, we we had mentioned there's a a lot of homages to Star Wars and and it's in the book. There's a lot of of the things as well. There's, you know, the 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 hand shot first, or hand shot first. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. There's a there's a part in the book where yeah he definitely did. But <laughs> sitting at the table and yeah. the, the yeah. Galen shoots I, first. I can see that. So when I went to create Cassandra. I was thinking I needed a sidekick for Galen at the beginning, but I didn't want it to be another human because he's kind of a loner. So he would not have another human being around him. So it's like, okay, do I do, do I do an Android? And I'm like, eh, that's, I mean, that's, you know, because C-3PO and R2-D2, I could go that route, but that's too Star Wars for me. So that kind of left me one option, which was to come up with an AI built into his ship, and give that ai a personality and for for me cassandra was a, n- a natural you know uh, name to come up with because i i think of cassandra as as being kind of a you know kind of smart-alecky, smart mouth quick quick witted um you you know they'll 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 keep you in line with just a word type person so that's kind of where cassandra was was born was to be somebody who could kind of keep Galen grounded when he needed to be. And and she she, does. She's a beautiful character. Yeah. And I mean, she, you know, she's, she's kind of obsessed with his love life. And uh, that was another thing that I did because I needed her to kind of prod him along with the princess. And I needed to establish that long before he met her. So that, that's kind of the the whole thing. There's a a, a meeting in the back alley where there's an ambush. And, Mm -hmm. And Galen kind of deals with the ambushers, but he's left with this little young girl, young woman. And Cassandra's like, well, why don't you bring her along? You've been a little tense lately. And he's like, he's ready to tell her to shut up and shoot everybody else at this point, because he's, you know, he's getting needled. (laughs) So I, I, that was kind of the Genesis of, of Cassandra. And as I was, as I was writing her, I realized that there's a, there's a character arc for her that I want to take her on. Um, And I don't think anybody's going to see it coming. And I I hope they don't see it coming because I love to surprise people. They're like, they'll be reading and they're like, hey, wait, what? What are you? You know, Um, so we'll see. If somebody writes me and says, yeah, I figured you were going that direction. I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to (laughs) scream.
0: I challenge them to say, did you Really?
1: You know, I have one person said, yeah, I figured out the ending of the book about 10 pages in. I'm like, yeah, sure. OK, <laughs> yeah, you can say that now that the book's out. So, you know, Tell me you've got to figure it out before you read it, you know. Um, but yeah, Cassandra's a, a an interesting character and I'm going to have a lot of fun with her as we go along, too. I mean, all the characters in Galen's way, I've had a lot of fun with even the bad guys. Oh, and yeah. I'm, kind, I'm kind of. Looking forward to seeing if everything plays out the way I have it laid out, or if at some point I, I take a left turn and and go a different direction. So God, uh, I hope
2: you do. <laughs> yeah, who knows?
1: You know, I, I, um, who knows?
2: I have I'm I'm having so much fun with this whole series, uh, with 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 this book, because because well, first of all, because I know this is a series for you. Mm-hmm. Of, of of Galen and the princess and, and the whole thing. <clears throat> and there's a history in here that we're going to be looking, hopefully in a forward way to, but also uh, in, in looking in the acknowledgements uh, that you're working within a universe. It's created by John C. Wright called the StarQuest universe. Now, uh-huh. let's talk about that for a little bit. Okay, because this, there's a bigger story here than I first understood. And now uh, let's let's talk about this bigger universe that you and other writers, including John C. Wright, are working within.
1: Yeah. Well, John, uh, a few years ago, went to see The uh, the Force Awakens and was so irritated with what they had done with Star Wars that he decided, <laughs> he, decided okay. he was going to create his own Star Wars. And so he sat down and he, he hammered out the details. And with John C. Wright, he does not do small. So his details are a hundred page Bible that he has put together and sends out to anybody who's Thinking about getting into this. And it lays out the whole history of how the human race is in the Milky Way galaxy as we are now, but a dark force enters the galaxy and is snuffing out stars right and left. A race of preservers come in and they remove all of humanity from the Milky Way and transplant them in the future to. The Andromeda Galaxy, which is where Star Quest takes place. And he has 12 ages laid out. And it doesn't really start immediately from the point where um, the human race is transplanted. The first age takes place hundreds of thousands of years later. And by then, humanity has forgotten they even came from the Milky Way. So we pick up there. He's got all these... Alien species, uh, he's got the entire Andromeda galaxy mapped out where everybody is, when everybody comes into contact with everybody else. Um, In Fourth Age, which is where I'm playing, the human race doesn't even realize that there's anybody else in the Andromeda galaxy. They haven't come into contact with aliens yet. And I picked that one on purpose so I didn't have to worry about screwing up anything John's got planned for Twelfth Age, which is where he's writing. So by the time you get to all these ages are hundreds of thousands of years apart. Um they last for thousands of years at a time. By the time we get to the 12th age, all the all the races have, have kind of figured out where everybody is. The human race has kind of taken ascendancy, but you know, we're not the top dog quite. So we we have all that. There's some surprises coming at the end of 12th age that I cannot share because John would shoot me. Uh, He wants to keep those as a surprise. So there's, we're setting up some of it in what I'm doing in fourth age and what Josh Young is doing in seventh and what John is setting up in 12th um, that will kind of tie everything together in one really nice bow um, all the way back to Milky Way Galaxy. And I think everybody's going to love it. I, I you know I'm thrilled I I can't wait to see how he how he does it I'm just making sure I I set the table where I need to for him. Um, he's opened this thing up to anybody any author who wants to come in. Um, you have to clear your story with him. His wife Jaji, is kind of StarQuest central, uh, so you send the story to her. She reads it through and she'll let you know. You know if you if you've deviated somewhere where it's not going to work later on. Um, she'll let you know and you, you make the correction. I had to do it in one part. I, I'm trying to remember what part I had to redo. Um, I think it was like two paragraphs just to make sure because we want that continuity to, to stretch all the way through so that it, no matter where you start and who you start with, as you read, everything, everything connects. So some of the stuff Josh is doing in seventh, I've set up for him in fourth. And he'll, he'll reference some other things in 7th that I had done in 4th. So we're, we're, it, I, I talk about it as this grand epic saga because there's so many people are going to be a part of it and it's going to be so expansive. And I'm even doing some pre-migration series. There's two different series which will deal with the, the last days of humanity in the Milky Way galaxy. And then there's another series that takes place at the end of the century. And they all connect to my fourth age, which connects to everything else in StarQuest. So it's, it's a massive project. And I think off the top of my head, we've got 20 books already either. Well, mine's the very first StarQuest book out. And we've got 19 more that are either in editing, almost finished writing, or or have been laid out and are just waiting for the author to get to it to write it. So it's, it's already huge and we've just started with it this year.
0: And one of the fun things, and Dome can, can, can vouch for me on this one, is one of the things before we we've even got you on the air, Dome and I are talking about it as we always do. And I'm saying, man, this is amazing. I love, uh, I love what's written here. I need to find this John Wright in this first book. And I went and did web searches. I'm doing web searches before we went on the air going, where are these books? Why can't I find these books? <laughs> I'm going, come on. He's got this great universe that was built. You know, why am I not finding these books? And then we get to talk to you and you're going, well, that's because they haven't been published yet. And, but yeah. uh, I was so excited by what you wrote to read about the past and read about the future, even if it was just the immediate fourth age future without Uh knowing there's going to be a 12th age. You know, I was so excited about reading all of this and reading about that past, the escape, the migration from the Milky Way, just from what you read made me excited about trying to find these books so I could read about this stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I put that prologue in when I realized John wasn't going to get his four books out before I got mine out, and I, I did that because I wanted to, since I was going to be the first official StarQuest book out, to give the reader a very quick primer on what the hell's going on, you know why why are you know why is humanity in the Andromeda Galaxy all of a sudden, so I I put that together. It also sets up, you know, it it sets the stage for the Ranger series that's pre-migration. But it also lets you know what happened, why, you know, we're in the fourth age now and why humanity, the human race in Andromeda has forgotten where they came from. Um, There's even a lost earth uh, kind of legend that we're working in. Oh, yes, there is. You, yeah. you, you, you cheater, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we saw that. Yeah. And Josh, Josh, actually, as I was writing it, Josh and I were talking and he said, hey, I need a MacGuffin that uh, people are going to be looking for. And I said, well, why don't we put it on Earth? And we'll just say when when after everybody got evacuated, these these aliens decided to get rid of Earth and they hid this one thing that the dark horse is really looking for. And they took Earth and they sent it off away somewhere. And he's like, oh, that'll work. So that's where, you know, that's the collaboration part of this, is that we are working with each other and coming up with these ideas and incorporating them in our books. And it's just just another thread in the tapestry that that we are weaving together that I think once we get to, say, I don't know, once we get to 20, 30 books – If somebody reads all of them, they're going to be able to see where the whole line goes through. And it's going to be an unbroken line without, you know, uh, contradictions or people retconning things or, you know, deciding, okay, well, we're just going to ignore that this happened and we're just going to go from here. You know, I hate that when they do that. It's like, okay, this actually happened in the past and you're just going to pretend it didn't. You know, we don't want to do that. We want everything to have a nice, smooth flow where if you read something in fourth age, it's going to make sense later on down the line.
2: It scares me. This scares I'm me that in excellent. a lot of ways because this is the first book I've read because it's the first book that's come out in the star quest adventure and it's in the
1: fourth age and i want to learn about the murky way <laughs> that's coming soon i'm i am trying to get the the first book of the, the pre-migration series out i'm i'm still aiming for january but you know 2021 has been doing a very good job of kicking my butt along it's been with a really of good other job
2: kicking everybody's butt yeah tell yeah you.
1: so so be patient if i'm a little delayed um but yeah we're 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 coming john's four first four books hopefully will be out either by the end of this year or the spring of next he wants to release them all together um, <laughs> not 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 simultaneously but like one month apart Oh, my um, God. It, so he's trying to get it all, you know, trying to get it all done. And I think he noticed something was wrong. Um, he had to go back and do a rewrite. There there was a problem. And, again, that's where we're being careful. We we don't want contradictions. So he found something that didn't line up right, and he had to go back and fix it. And that's delaying him a little bit. But I'm, I am waiting for those four because that's in the 12th age when a lot of stuff is going on. A a lot of what I'm doing is is just kind of setting the stage, kind of giving you a little taste of what what the human race has been going through in the future. But he's got some amazing stuff coming in twelfth. What
2: scares me more than anything else, because I don't know these other writers. Okay, all I know is Richard, and I know that when Richard sits down to write a story. Richard writes an incredibly good story. So when Richard wrote Galen's Way, he put down a story for me. He wrote it for me <clears throat> because he knows what it what it means to write really really top flight top drawer of science fiction without compromise because it's important to him that that's what it is. So if there's going to be another 29 books in this series, <laughs> they goddamn well better be another 29 books at that level.
1: There have to be. I can promise you eight. Cuz I'm going to write eight. I've got eight laid out, all right? I've got eight of them laid out and I, you know, I might pick another age and start quest and start playing over there too, you know. Um, But I can give you I can give you my promise you'll have eight of those. And I knowing the guys that I are involved in this, I'm thinking you won't be disappointed with the other 21.
2: Man, I'm telling you now and, and going back to page 300 of this book. When I get to that point in my life, I'm going to bargain the way they did so that I get to read all of them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that's all i'm saying okay that was a
0: spoiler that was very well done no, Completely. that's spoiler all break. i'm
2: saying i'm just gonna bargain so that i get to read all of them because uh, i'm telling you now if this book is any indication of what the series is going to be like holy crap guys we are in for one great ride uh galen's way is the book richard paulinelli is the author and holy shit this is this is more fun than a barrel of elephants truly truly richard welcome to five timers club thank you for coming back to sci-fi saturday night thank you for being here thank you thank you thank you for writing this book man this is fun And, and 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 come back soon with another one don't stop writing really thank you man this has been great fun
1: well, th- thank you for all of that and thank you for having me on five times. Usually after the second time they, they never call me back. So oh no man. <laughs> you, you got you got a seat here at the fun house whenever you want it. Excellent. Well, as soon as I get the next book, which is Ranger in the StarQuest in my, my corner of StarQuest anyway, that will be the first book in the, um, in the pre-migration series. As soon as that's out, I will give you a hauler and get that book to you.
2: Sounds like a plan, my friend. Thank you. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic-Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the Audiobook is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you can find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com and don't forget to try the Watt sauce. We have, we love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Their grooves can be found on lawrencemademecry.com and a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie shared pain as lessons, shared joy increased. Thus, do we all refute entropy? Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime. Good night, everybody. I oh, don't you hate people like me. I know I do.
0: That sounds perfect.